2: KJ Podcast. What up, my people? We have Dylan Day Simone on the line. What's going on, my dude?
1: What's going on, Kevin?
2: Going to have a fun 49ers conversation for you. It's kind of a newsworthy day from John Lynch. He goes on Mayoko's podcast. We'll get into that. He goes on uh, 95.7 The Game, reveals some stuff about Khalil Mack. We'll get there. He's the messenger for the team. I, I like the positive message that he put out today. Where should 49ers stand, fans stand right now, Dylan? This team is 2-8. and eight. They've struggled to win close games. There has been some progress. Some draft picks look bad. Are you mad about the record? Like, overall, big picture, Dylan Day Simone 49ers, coming off the bye week. Where is this team in your eyes?
1: Well, I, I'm not I, – I totally, like, I filed away, like, whatever their record was going to be this year. I just thought it was going to be totally irrelevant. I mean – like, for some of them, I guess you want to see them finish games, but a lot of these games that we say they didn't finish, I felt that they shouldn't have been in in the first place. Um, so, like, I think that they've competed pretty well, and the players that are going to be around, uh, Fred Warner, Mike McGlinchey, Matt Burita, uh George Kittle is having a year. Like, all these guys that do mean something to the future of the team, I mean, it's great that they're performing regardless, um, there's definitely some players that have, you know, taken a step back or not playing the way that they were expected to. But I think for the most part in a year that's been so catastrophic for the team, uh, when you actually look at like the context of what's happening and you can kind of spotlight a lot of these individual performances, I think they've been I think it's been fine. It's uh, crazy.
2: This team is picking number one in the draft right now. Yeah, <laughs> Like, we're at Thanksgiving, and we're like, you know what? It's it's fine that they're 2-8. Like Kyle's, we've seen enough. John Lynch, the draft picks have been okay. Obviously, Kittle and, and Brita, there are some bright spots. I don't know. In other NFL cities, this might not be okay. If this was happening for the, the New York Giants and Kyle and John Lynch were in that part of the country. It it's like kind of a weird dynamic here but because obviously the Jimmy Garoppolo injury, the record just don't look at it. It's it's really hard to do that as a fan, but I I'm with you, Dylan. I think this year there was enough progress that it wasn't a completely wasted year.
1: Yeah, and they just they also they never got to catch their stride like early in the season, when Jimmy was there, there were the flashes, but I don't think he had put together like a really solid game yet. But we were starting to see this mounting comeback against the Chiefs when he went down. Right. And like, that was really exciting. I was like, that was the most engaging game or that they had had because they were down so much they were getting their asses kicked. And
2: we knew he was going to have struggles this year too. Like the Lions yeah. game that picked six, like week two, he was going to get some of those out of the way. I definitely think the team would be... At least 5-5 and at this point. Quarterback play, we've seen it this year, how much it correlates to winning. It's at an all-time high. This is essentially like having a star in the NBA. If you have a top 10 player, you have a chance. 49ers just didn't have a chance this year to put it all together. I think fans are frustrated because the losses have been so close and they've kind of screwed up the fourth quarter. Like We can bash them here where... They haven't been executing properly at the end of games. Even Kyle, some of the clock management stuff, things aren't buttoned up. They have to learn how to win. To me still, Dylan, I'm okay if this team loses out. Nick Mullins kind of regresses a little bit. They do go 3-13, 4-12. They are picking number three overall in the draft. They do get the edge rusher. To me, a couple wins at the end of the season. I don't really think it's going to matter one way or the other.
1: Yeah, and I think their last winnable game, like truly winnable, is probably this week uh, in Tampa. And after that, they got the Seahawks twice. I think they got the Rams once more. Uh, Broncos. Bears, Broncos. Broncos,
2: yeah, they could beat one of those teams at home. But, yeah, it's not going to be an easy schedule to close.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, it's it's kind of – it's good. And, you know, if you do look at the upside of everything, it's good the way – they're set up to finish this season. Um, I think Kyle is, you know, he's had to work magic and I think he's come up with some of his best game plans, you know, for four quarters that we had seen when you're winning games with Nick Mullins. I mean, it's pretty impressive. So, um, I liked that this year was kind of a stretch assignment for Kyle, uh, in a sense that he had to make up for uh, a severe lack of talent, talent he was counting on. He didn't have his hundred million dollar quarterback. He didn't have his running back. Um, and he's made do. So, I mean, it it does kind of... I'm going to give
2: you the counterpoint there because Kyle's always done that. That's been Kyle's hallmark. I think the problem is he hasn't been able to finish the fourth quarter games, and, of course, all the execution isn't on him. They have fixed the red zone problems to some degree. It it hasn't been a disaster on offense at all, but... I'm I'm trusting Shannon plan. I'm fully on board. This guy is the right guy, but he, he's not totally clean this season, too. I, I think the team's got to be more buttoned up in the fourth quarter on offense and defense.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, finishing, there's something to that. Like, I think when, and not to, you know, bring up Harbaugh, like, you know, we always bring up Harbaugh, it seems, because that was the last time the 49ers were really legitimately successful, but yep. that was one of the first things that we saw was the team just finished um, and you know, that was reflective in the record from, you know, right away, but you know, Kyle's, he doesn't have those players. So there is an execution factor. You look at the green Bay and Arizona games, you know, you remember blown coverages from Tyvis Powell. You remember the botched snap from Eric Magnuson, um, when he was filling in at center. So it was kind of just, um, you know, these are, these are game ending mistakes that, you know, it, it, it was out of his hands.
2: So many turnovers there to start the year, too. They were like minus 15 really early on in the season, way out of whack. C.J. Bethard. we're going to get into the draft picks. Let's talk a couple newsy items that popped up today. John Lynch did admit that he thought the 49ers gave a better offer to the Raiders for Khalil Mack than the Chicago Bears. I think this was on 95-7 the game. Um, Dave Food from Niners Nation put it out there. It's kind of, you know, John Lynch is transparent about trade talks here. I think it's fine for the franchise. Like, who cares? This isn't war overseas. You can give up some kind of information. I I think at the end of the day, the Raiders were just not going to trade him to the 49ers. That wasn't going to be John Gruden's first move. It was a damning move either way. But I guess it's good to see the 49ers are willing to give up first-round picks for talent like that. How would you view that trade, Dylan, if they
1: gave up two firsts? For Khalil Mack, I mean, obviously, it would have changed the whole season. Mack is special, man. <laughs> Mack's doing things that are just outrageous, and you can't find it. I mean, you, I, it's...
2: <laughs> it's Hall you, of
1: Fame. Yeah, he's he's really that player. And it's like, it's what, there's two, three players in the whole NFL like this, or four. Say, uh, J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Khalil Mack, right? Those are the premier four guys. Um I I think yeah you give up a pick you give up two first round picks for any of those guys. It's crazy that the Raiders didn't because I mean the forty ers didn't have Garoppolo at the time so they still might have finished with a worse record than the Bears who were already winning games. So was it boneheaded on the Raiders they could have gotten a higher pick?
2: Yeah, I still don't think they want the blowback of that. I still think they're fearful of their image. They know it's wounded right now in the Bay Area. They know they're leaving, but I still don't think if if back were to become a Hall of Famer, like that was going to be on Mark Davis forever. I, I really, I have a, I have a hunch that, that he put the kibosh on that. I, I think a big storyline surrounding the close of the season, even though the defense, the numbers aren't that bad. They normally play well in the second and third quarter. Robert Sala, could he be a scapegoat? If this team goes three and 13 and Jed York pulls John Lynch and Kyle into the office and says, what's going on? The defense shouldn't be this bad. Do we need to bring in someone else? Do I? Am I going to bring in someone to the front office if you don't fire Robert Sala? This is the type of stuff that happens when you go 3-13. and 13. You'd hope Jed has learned he's going to stay out. But maybe Kyle and John Lynch are thinking, do we start over? Do we bring in a new coordinator, someone more experienced? Or do we go through more growing pains next season if we don't solve corner, and we don't solve pass rush? Our defense is never going to be good. That's the bottom line. So I think defense is the biggest issue moving forward in the final six mm-hmm. weeks would you keep robert solid next season if things stayed like this
1: that's yeah that's a really tough call um the they're, they'll be heading into their third year of this six year you know contract that they were dealt right um, so it's that's kind of also a, a key year for them as as a regime do they want to keep him around i don't know i've seen a lot of bad like a lot of different kind of bad all over the defense me too Like, it's just, it's everywhere. And I I think, you know, I gave him some slack because there's, dude, there's just such a severe lack of talent. Like, you know, they're just, you know, and even if you count in some of the player regressions, how about the most important position? I mean, I know he wasn't playing great before he, before the six games, but Adrian Colbert, they're starting, you know, single high free safety out for the season. You know, that's, that's that hurts when you already don't have pass rush, then you lose the, your high safety that you're counting on. Um, that's tough for them to lose that. So they've been playing as a hobbled defense. And I tried to keep that in mind when looking at, at this, you know, this whole equation. Yeah. But if, if solid, if there is a better name out there, if there's a proven coordinator where you're like, okay, we bring this guy in. We know that we, you know, we tie up a lot of loose ends here and we fix a lot of things immediately. Um, then maybe maybe you just have to do that.
2: Because I don't want them to sign Earl Thomas at this point in his career and stick him back there. And then all of a sudden you have a veteran defense when you're not going to be ready to win the Super Bowl in the next two years, probably not. Not with right. the Rams looking this good. And Drew Brees is not going to be slowing down. I mean, you're going to take some time to get to that level. And then your defense is going to be 35. And they're all going to be gone. So they, they have some question marks here. And safety might be their biggest problem. Tart hasn't yeah. stayed on the field, of course. Uh, Colbert, he was struggling before; um, he, he's now out for the season with an ankle injury. Yeah, they, they've got some issues there. We're, we're gonna—I think it's best if we just look at some of their drafts, some some hits, some misses. John Lynch had some really good quotes on each of these guys. I'll bring up. We'll start positive. Let's start with Kittle. It's really, really something else that this guy is. Literally on the level of a Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, Gronk in his second year without great QB play for most of his tenure. John Lynch said he got his body in shape. He got a routine that he got comfortable with. And he wishes the other 49ers would look at George Kittle, look at where he is. Every day, John Lynch knows it's 2.30, George Kittle is here. His routine has really become more like a veteran. Um, It's been outstanding to watch. It's so fun to watch on film, him blocking his yards after the catch. He's literally bringing everything to the table. My hope is that this isn't some aberration that he comes back down next season. But if as long as they can get some receivers on the outside, George Kittle could be dominant at tight end for
1: many seasons. Like a centerpiece weapon for the passing game. Uh, he's really been that. And yeah, like with all these different quarterbacks, it's been really, it's been something to watch. I, uh, I can't believe they found him when they did, but, um, it was kind of, you kind of believe in it. Like he's going to keep this going forward because he was looking pretty good as a rookie. Like he looked advanced as a rookie. And then we were like, okay, can this guy get more consistent? Can he get a little bigger? And then he did that. Um, and now he's putting up, you know, uh, a really, really, a you know, just absurd
2: numbers. He's dunking yeah, on people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been incredible. Um, so You know, they got to feel good about that. Where they got him, fifth round, um, and that is, I mean, every offense wants a player like that, you know, somebody that you can just lean on all the time. And, they, you know, even right now, there's nobody else really doing anything on the 49ers offense. Defense knows that Kittle's getting the ball, and they still can't stop him.
2: All right, guys, mybookie.ag. This is simple. Go on the website, put your name in, your address, Promo code Blue Wire. Say you put in fifty dollars, you get a fifty percent deposit bonus, which means they give you twenty five free dollars to play. On top of that fifty, my bookie is giving out free money. People have been turning hundred dollars into six hundred dollars every week. College basketball, football, NBA, prop bets, esports. My bookie is the one bet I've been making. Help us out. Blue wire is the promo code. They've been in business for a year. They've got great online reviews. Their mobile site is easy to use. They sponsor a lot of big podcasts. I'm pumped to be included with them. Yo, make sure you're following them on Twitter at BetMyBookie. They're literally giving away money. They respond to DMs. They're giving away $10,000 this football season. Don't miss out, guys. MyBookie.ag, promo code wire. I want to ping back and forth, you know, positive player, negative player so far in 2018. To me, the biggest disappointment is Akilah Witherspoon. Not only was it – there wasn't a jump this season. There's been clear regression. Dante Winter had great film breakdowns pointing out his effort. I don't know. Did his head get too big? He was hanging out with Richard Sherman. Is he not putting in the correct work? Was he really just never going to be a great prospect to begin with, and the scouting department got this wrong? I don't know the mess that's going on with Akilah Witherspoon. I do know – he cannot start next season. Even if he has a strong finish to this season, they've got to find an answer on that side of the field. They could be using a top 10 pick on a cornerback. I think it's that important.
1: Yeah. Um, you can never have enough cornerbacks. Um, he's, not, he's not looked as good as he did as a rookie. When he was a rookie, he looked so fresh and carefree and was just playing the game. And it was like, I mean, you remember, he wasn't even active at the beginning of the season as a rookie. And he just kind of made his way up the active list. And then on game day, he, you know, eventually became a starter, had that interception against Carson Wentz, had the interception against Blake Bortles. um, And he looked really good. Um, What's happened this year is, yeah, he's, he's, you were looking at him for more. I think the expectations were really high. And I think cornerback is really hard. And I think it takes a couple of years to really, you know, Coming to yourself, and I do, and I still think he's going to have bad games, even if we one day declare this guy good. I mean, I watched Marshawn Lattimore and Jalen Ramsey have off games this year, and people were talking trash about both of those guys. Yeah, and they just yeah, they they didn't look perfect. They didn't look the way they used to at their peak. Um, but they're still really young guys. So when you look at you know all of them together, and you're kind of like, well, maybe Akello's not that level player. But he could still be that good player that we saw flashes of. It's just it might take some time and it might take some pass rush and, and it might take a new defensive co- you know coordinator or secondary coach.
2: And but, you, yeah, and, and you have Tavares Moore who you're scared to play. Now what are you going to do, take an edge rusher in the first round, take another corner in the second or third, throw them on the field, let them get burnt some and bench them? You know what I mean? It's it's a rinse and repeat here with Richard Robinson, honestly. It's, it's really been a carbon copy of a killer witherspoon season he lost his cool last week just showing way too much emotion on the field kyle kind of put him in his place in his post game press conference yeah it's a tough season for him biggest disappointment positive development in nick mullins but kind of because cj Beathard was struggling so much this switch felt natural um mullins is getting rid of the football quickly we saw some regression against the giants they're a better football team than the raiders that's natural. Evan Silva made a good point on my podcast. He said the more the backups play, the more that gets revealed, more warts come out. Guys, I love Nick Mullins too. I have a feeling late in December we might be like, okay, I don't know if this team has a really capable backup quarterback. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he lives up to this hype and plays well. Just a projection here, but um, I'm not going to be surprised in December if we're saying, hmm, okay, CJ Beathard was kind of a miss as a third-round pick. He has some talent, but... Just so many inefficiencies in the pocket. Nick Mullins, he was an undrafted guy. He was great for us for a couple games and and now it's um uh it's run its course. So we'll see. It's it's too early to make that prediction. But I do think quarterback is not off the question that they use a late-round draft pick on it or get another veteran in here.
1: Yeah, I almost might lean veteran using another draft pick, um, especially when you just look at the sample of bethard versus mullins because um yeah i mean once we saw what mullins could do it almost immediately was damning of the bethard third round pick Yep, and and that was that was just you know especially if he continues to play decent you're like okay well they could have gotten another player there not that they didn't need bethard last year and not that they didn't need him some this year but it is showing that uh you didn't need to spend a third round pick
2: Transition to Solomon Thomas, the poor guy. I feel bad for him. Like, let's not laugh. His his sister obviously uh, took her life earlier in the year. Devastating tragedy. He's dealing with a lot of per- personal circumstances. Um, that's totally understood. You know, his development is going slower than expected for a number three overall pick. John Lynch defended him on Mayoko's podcast. Um, the the one thing that he pointed out though is that Solomon's got to earn the right to play. I'm gleaning from that. He's either not doing things in practice or he's doing wrong techniques in the game. Uh, John Lynch is very, he'll throw a quote out there. and That's what I'm reading into, that Solomon has not earned the right to play. And John Lynch said, listen, the expectations for him, we know he's not performing like the number three overall pick. He can still be a contribut- contributor for the Niners. Oh, man, John Lynch, you are wearing this as a, as a bad stain on your resume if, if a top three pick is going to come in here and be a contributor.
1: Yeah, um, I was talking with a buddy today. Uh, I think in the terms of like contributor, you look at um, what I had brought up was the Vikings line and the Eagles line, which are two of the top defensive lines, and how they're just deep across. You know, their whole front is just it's just torqued up. And um, you know, it's funny when one of those guys is missing, how you know the rest of the defensive line kind of underperforms. Now, not all of them are stars, but um, together they, you know, they just, they build this beast of, you know, a defensive line at defensive front. Like, I think we remember Chris Long in, um, uh, in St. Louis. And then we remember Linval Joseph in, in New York and not yeah. like household names, but these are guys that when they got into the right system, the right place, and they contributed to a good positional group, you know, um, they matter. So. I mean, I think Solomon Thomas is going to matter to whatever the future of this defensive line is, and I think he could get kicked up a notch as soon as next year. And you know where I sit with this, where I just – I can't – you can't put a grade on Solomon Thomas because he's not played the position that he was drafted to play. You know, the reason that all these analysts were talking about him going in the top five and, you know, all that twitchiness and he's just – He's like one of those athletic defensive tackles. And the league is going towards interior pressure. Like all these things, right? And what we saw him do at Stanford. He is not doing any of that because he's not put in a position to. Um, that means Kyle was- has got to stand up. Kyle, th- th-
2: th- This needs to be Kyle on the table saying, what are we doing with this guy? Or he's letting Robert Sala make too many decisions here. Like Kyle is the offensive coordinator. He's on that side of the football a lot. I know he's aware of the defense, but he really might have to look in the mirror and say, I need to be in those defensive meeting rooms. Like My offensive assistants know what's going on. Nick Mullins is a a smart quarterback. My defense is pointing fingers and not knowing what they're doing. Robert Sala is using people out of position. I I think Kyle has got to look in the mirror and say, I love offense to death. I think I have to spend the last six weeks with with the defensive side of the ball. I think it's a good idea.
1: Yeah, and that's a great point that you bring up is really like, you know, Kyle's doing more than making do with, you know, substandard personnel on his side. And on the defensive side, it's, you know, they're they're performing well below expectations. And that is immediately, to me, that's a coaching thing.
2: Positive on defense, Fred Warner. He's calling yeah. plays in the middle of the field as a rookie, excelling. He's everywhere where the ball is. Like, he, the tackle is immediate. We'd like to see... Some forced fumbles. You'd like to see some more interceptions. I'm not crowning him a pro bowler yet, but as a third-round pick, this is a hit. If you think about it, he is their best draft pick on defense right now. He's reliable. He's playing every week. Is Reuben Foster more talented than him? Probably. Is Fred Warner more consistent so far in his career? Yes.
1: Yeah. I like number 48. Uh, he is really good, man. And he does. Yeah, he's just kind of omnipresent because of his athletic ability. And, you know, we talked about the flash position him playing at BYU safety linebacker hybrid. And, and he really, he runs with whoever the 49ers asked him to run with. And, uh, he covers a lot of ground, makes a lot of tackles. He's healthy. And, uh, that is, that's been a great pick for them. Um, whether or not, you know, Foster can get healthy and get in a stride. It's really good that, you know, he's in the middle of the defense now.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, we gotta talk Ruben. John Lynch said they held him out against the Giants. He could have played. They aired on the side of caution. Which tells me, gosh, his his health is gonna be a problem here with his playing style. It's vicious. It's just how he plays. He has regressed some this year, but you can put You know, 30 really good Reuben cut-ups there as well. So it's not like he's had terrible games. He's had terrible moments in games. He's still going to be a very productive player in the system. Is he going to be a star linebacker? I think that's up in the air. And John Lynch actually brought up something really good about him. His offseason was so tumultuous this past year, he didn't get to grow much. He was, you know, worried about the future of his career, if he was going to be in the NFL or not. I think that was a distraction He's got to go under the wing of someone this offseason. Year three needs to be Ruben Foster's year.
1: Yeah, big time. And that's a great point, and that could be a real shot in the arm for them. If he finally gets whatever his sophomore training camp was supposed to be in this third year, you know, and he goes into that third season. And, I mean, he is he is a beast. I mean, we've seen him. He, he is amazing when he plays. But I saw him running half speed, and he looked like he just wasn't Trying to, he wasn't about the contact as much because I think he was playing hurt this year. Um, but yeah, if if he could just stay healthy, then you know this it's the night and day with the 49ers defense is having a linebacker like that.
2: We'll finish up on offense. Mike McGlinchey, hell of a pick. The day of the draft when it happened, I said they could have gotten someone better on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think that's wrong. They, they could have gotten Derwin James, who would have changed this defense, who would have been the playmaker they exactly need. They've missed out on Jamal Adams the year before, too. Do they know how to evaluate secondary? I think that's the big question. But they do know how to evaluate O-line. McGlinchey and the run game has been a huge bright spot. Trading Trent Brown, you haven't really felt the ramifications of that. It's hard to judge them as a pass-protecting unit because of C.J. Beathard. If they had a normal quarterback behind there, I think they might be one of the top pass-protecting units as well. So numbers are skewed there. I love McGlinchy and what John Lynch said about him on Mayoko's podcast. He's raised the level of competition in that room. He's come in so polished and clean that veterans are like, holy shit, I need to be playing at his level. And to do that as a rookie is damn impressive.
1: Yeah. Now he's been everything he's been cracked up to be. Um, he looks like a Pro Bowl type of, of tackle. And I hope they keep him at right tackle because he's really – he's just excellent there. And it's – yeah, I mean all the, all the plays. You know, you go, you look at the touchdowns when you like really go watch – uh, the coach's film or the replays. Uh, it's funny how you see McGlinchey, if you didn't see him on the first take, you see him on the second or third take making a key block that sprung a big player, you know, enabled a touchdown to happen. I'm totally with you. I would
2: rather have him be a pro bowl right tackle than a very decent left tackle. Like let's have a very strong piece, figure out left tackle. Kyle's really good at O-line evaluations. You've seen that in McGlinchey. All right, we'll finish with receivers here because – you are right about Richie James. He needs more snaps, more time at slot. Trent Taylor's regressed. Goodwin hasn't been able to stay healthy. A couple games he's gone with like no targets from C.J. Beathard. There's been just some rough stretches there. Garcon, it's getting to the end of the road for Pierre Garcon's career. Shocked they weren't able to trade him, though, because he did come out against the Raiders and have a good game. Dante Pettis has been the biggest question mark. Is this really going to be a second-round pick? and a, and a redshirt year. They couldn't figure out how to get him involved. Obviously, he was hurt in the early portion of the season. He didn't look good against the Giants. He did not look explosive or like that game-changing piece we had seen in the preseason and training camp. I'm a little concerned about the receivers. I don't think they're going to be able to acquire in an alpha this offseason. Not that that's necessary to win a Super Bowl, but I think it helps your offense quite a bit.
1: Yeah, there's some big... Receivers in the draft. Um, I'm not really sure what's out there in free agency, um, but you know there's some big receivers that offer what they don't currently have, and that might be the replacement for Pierre Garcon. But yeah, I think they need to add a piece there. Uh, Dante Pettis. It was a red shirt year. It might not have been. We'll see what we get in these last six games. But he was hurt. Jimmy G going down. Um, that kind of you know that kind of taints what we're looking at here. You don't really get a chance to evaluate Pettis' Good problem. point. Yeah,
2: I should have said that because week one, Pettis had a sick touchdown against the Vikings, left corner of the end zone. Yeah. Jimmy G put it on the money. He, Who he knows? knows? He could be a deep, bright
1: spot right now. You're right. And, you know, Trent Taylor, you know, that was the other one. We bring up Trent Taylor and I think it was a preseason against Houston or Indianapolis. Um we saw the same kind of play where Jimmy and Trent find each other. And it was like a touchdown in the red zone. Jimmy had his flash that sidearm throw again. Yeah. Get around the linebacker. And then Trent Taylor was in the back of the end zone and caught it. Trent Taylor is five foot eight. He's 180 pounds soaking wet. This guy, <laughs> I'm telling you, he I, I really think it takes a special quarterback to use him properly. You know, the timing, you know, the placement, everything to really like take advantage of Trent Taylor. I don't think Bethard or Mullins are going to be able to really do that. Um, like, oh, I yeah, think it's yeah. going to take him and Jimmy to, to click. So I'm hoping we want to see you know that they're not as depleted at wide receiver um, based on kind of what's happened at quarterback.
2: Let's actually finish with Jimmy G before I let you go because I remain encouraged. I remain encouraged about the O-line developing this season, Matt Breida being a little piece. Even though the receivers are sketchy, you have George Kittle and a solid O-line. Defense will sort itself out. I think they'll be decent if Kyle and Jimmy G are on the same page together. I'm not saying it's Mahomes. I'm not saying it's Jared Goff yet. But they can take steps in that direction to start getting a feel for each other. You saw Matt Ryan win an MVP. Look at Matt Ryan now. I mean, he's he's very good still, but Kyle can amplify a skill set. I really believe he can do that with Jimmy Garoppolo. 49ers fans, remain calm. And patient, It sucks. He's a Christmas present under the tree that you're just literally staring at for a year next season. I I am not worried. You know, Evan Silva mentioned uh, another good thing, too, about uh, Jimmy G tore it early in the season, so he should be ready for mini-camp, training camp. It's not going to be that situation where, oh, is he cleared week one? He should have ample time to get back on the field. Are you ready for 2019,
1: Dylan? Yeah, you know, I, I think... I think he'll be back. And, you know, I mean, we've seen quarterbacks come back from this. Um, I think Garoppolo will be back and, you know, all these other pieces are going to be back. But to your point, to have that combination, that battery of head coach and quarterback Shanahan and Garoppolo, that's the 49ers golden egg right now. That's their golden goose is, is that tandem because um, that's what's winning games right now. That shootout on Monday was absurd. Um, and I watched, you know, you watch the Rams. Golf missed throws where he was protected, and you know, the receiver was wide open. So you, and then you look at a game where, you know, look at the look at the Packers and Rodgers with McCarthy, the the best quarterback in the world, and you know, one of the worst coaches, and you're seeing what happens. So um, we might have started a new era. I think games could be in the 40s and 50s
2: from here on out. We're going to look at this old era, like pre 2018. Like, oh my God, you remember. Football used to be like NBA in the 1960s. People wore short shorts and like couldn't even dribble and dunk. Like I, I do think an infusion of offensive coaches are going to come into the league and adopt these concepts. And for a couple years here, defenses are going to be on the ropes. There's always been a counterbalance, like some some something new created on defense. Listen, the Ravens are trying the exact opposite. They're running Lamar Jackson 27 times. I love this league. We're seeing so much creativity.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, the 49ers had a lot that they didn't show this year because, you know, they probably want to save it for, you know, Garoppolo when the games actually matter.
2: There he is, Dylan DeSimone. Fantastic little back and forth there on the Niners. Thanks for coming on, bro.
1: Thanks, Kev.